and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're looking at the strange case of Joe Simonton and the alien pancakes. That's correct. Joe Simonton and the alien pancakes. I've got a couple articles dealing with this. Three, actually. The first one comes from dailystar.co.uk, dated February 16th, 2021, by Joshua Smith. The title says, Man claims aliens gave him pancakes after a UFO landed in his back garden. Chicken farmer Joe Simonton said he was visited by aliens at his farm in Eagle River, Wisconsin, and that they offered him a parting gift of a stack of four pancakes. Now, of course, this took place back in 1961. It says, you may think pancakes are out of this world, but one man claims to have been served up the real deal. Chicken farmer Joe Simonton claimed he was visited by aliens at around 11 a.m. on April 18, 1961, and that they served him some intergalactic pancakes. Mr. Simonton, who was 60 at the time of the alleged encounter, was visited at his farm in Eagle River, Wisconsin, by an object which he saw landing in his garden. Now, I'll just interject here real quickly that there are multiple videos of uh, interviews with Mr. Simonton, uh, filmed and, and mostly a radio, where he talks about what he saw, and it seems like his story didn't change to me. It's, it's compelling. It says, Mr. Simonton, who was 60 at the time of the election encounter, was visited as from in Eagle River, Wisconsin, by an object which he saw landing in his garden. He recalled hearing the sound of knobby tires on wet pavement and went to go investigate. He saw a metallic UFO-like object, which he described as appearing like two reversed bulls with exhaust pipes on its edge. Mr. Simonton said the object did not touch the ground and that after he opened a, and after he opened a gate on its side he was met with three aliens who had a height of about five feet they wore black or navy blue clothing with turtleneck shirts and helmets now in the interview he speaks about these as being hats actually that very form-fitting that look like something that you would wear under a helmet as far as the, what they describe as helmets here. He says, Simonton told the press at the time that the crew seemed to be of Italian descent and about 25 or 30 years old. One of the occupants gave the witness a metallic jar with two handles indicating with gestures that he needed water for drinking, holding the jar to his mouth. As a good host, Simonton agreed to, put the requ- agreed to the request and went to his house to fill the water jug which he recalled as weighing a bit more than aluminum. An Air Force report of the incident states, looking into the saucer, he saw a man cooking on some kind of flameless cooking appliance. The chef, who had red stripes on the pants, gave Simonton four hot cookies of about seven and a half centimeters in diameter. Now these things look like, I think he described them as being two inches by three inches, you can see pictures of them. There's a picture of one here uh, on this article from the Daily Star. And it looks like it. they describe them as pancakes, but they look really, really thin, almost like little uh, miniature waffles. They have, you know, they're, they have their, <clears throat> they're patterned with checkered, you know, uh, little holes in them. And they actually don't look too appetizing. He says, and like... And like pancakes themselves, the evidence stacks up. Astronomer J. Allen Hynek was dispatched by the U.S. Air Force to investigate following the incident. 
It says he took one of the pancakes away for government analysis at the Air Force Technical Intelligence Center. They found them to be made of flour, sugar, and grease. In the book, in a book which the invest, which investigates the incident called the W Files, True Reports of Wisconsin's Unexplained Phenomena by Jay Rath, the author writes it was rumored, however, that the wheat in the pancakes was of an unknown type. Dr. Heineck wrote in his report, there's no question that Mr. Simonton felt that his contact had been a real experience. The official Air Force verdict of the Simonton pancake incident labeled it as unexplained, which says a lot for those guys because they had a tendency to explain everything with some sort of, quite frankly, often ridiculous explanation. Now here's another article. This is called cultoftheweird.com. Title is Joe Simonton and the UFO Pancakes. That time, that time aliens served, <clears throat> excuse me, served breakfast in rural Wisconsin. It says aliens came to Wisconsin in 1961 and served Eagle River resident Joe Simonton some bizarre extraterrestrial pancakes. And it's got a couple different pictures here, Mr. Simonton, with samples of these pancakes. There is no story of the unexplained more bizarre, more outlandish, or more Wisconsin than the one I'm about to relate to you, the author says. At 11 a.m. on April 18, 1961, Joe Simonton was sitting in his rural Eagle River home enjoying a late breakfast when he heard a commotion outside. When he investigated, he witnessed a flying saucer, brighter than chrome, hovering above his house. The craft eventually landed in his backyard. The saucer opened up. Sitting inside were three mute aliens, which Joe described as Italian-looking. Now, notice here the author says that, that the saucer opened up. And that's what that's what Mr. Simonton said in the interviews that I heard him. He didn't say anything about opening a gate on the side of the craft. He said it just opened up. He described this thing as being basically two bowls, you know, connected together, uh, seamless. And they just opened up. And that's what is reported here in this article. I think maybe, they didn't, maybe they've done a little better job of accurately reporting what actually happened. It says Joe was given, a larger, was given a large container and somehow discerned these strange creatures wanted water. Now, he says in the interview that the guy was making motions like he needed something to drink. And so, you know, he had to assume it was water. It's 1961, after all. When he returned, and I think he said he went to the basement and got the water. I'm not sure. But he went back to the house no matter what. He says, when he returned with the liquid, one of the aliens was cooking pancakes on a flameless cooking appliance. The creatures gave Joe the pancakes, saluted him, and flew away south into legend. Despite the incredible, even silly details of the story, it was investigated by the United States Army, or United States Air Force, and is listed in their files as unexplained. If you're wondering, Joe tried one of the pancakes, which he said, quote, tasted like cardboard. He gave the other two cakes to a Vilas County ufologist. I'm not certain whatever became of these tasteless culinary oddities. Somebody might ask Tom DeLong, maybe he has them. Joe Simonton holding an alien paint. And here's another picture. This one appears to be really burnt in the one picture. And like I said, I don't know, a couple inches wide, maybe three inches long. Uh, very porous looking. Looks more like a, something you'd find laying uh, on a beach somewhere than what you would want to eat. Shortly following this incident, several more sightings occurred. And the entire ordeal is covered in the great entertaining detail in JRF's book, The Wife Files. Now, there's one other article I want to look at here that I thought was also uh, pretty interesting. 
just to give us maybe a little bit more clarity on this thing. Don't forget, it was in 1966, five years later, that they had the multiple sightings across Michigan, I think in Wisconsin also. There was a lot of activity going on in the country at this time. Now this here is from UFOWisconsin.com. The article, it says, uh, date April 18th, 1961, 11 a.m., location Eagle River County, Vilas, source the, Magno the Magonia, compiled by Jacques Vallée, and published in his book, Passport to Magonia, Database Entry 517. Well, you don't do much better than Jacques Vallée, in my opinion. Details of incident. Jay Simonton heard a whining sound and saw an object 10 meters in diameter, I'll say 35 feet, and 4 meters high, 12 foot, yeah, that's what he said, 12 foot, with exhaust pipes around the periphery, land near his house. A door was open. And a man appeared, about five foot tall. He wore a black turtleneck pullover with a white turtleneck belt. Now, in the in the interview, he describes his belt as being like metallic. He he thought maybe, and black trousers with a vertical white band along the side. Two figures were visible inside the object. Simonton filled a jug with water, returned it to the man who gave him three ordinary pancakes, and the craft took off. Now, I've read somewhere else that it was four. They also say here that this thing made a whining sound, which I believe is what he said in the interview that I listened to. Uh, you'll remember that the other author reported it as being uh, knobby tires on pavement. It's funny how things just get confused sometimes, but I have to go with Valet's uh, you know, report on it because he's done so much good work. Uh, Wisconsin's strangest close encounter of the third kind must surely be the incident during which Joe Simonton was given three pancakes by Italian-looking aliens. A close encounter of the third kind is an actual meeting between humans and extraterrestrials, and Simonton's is easily the state's best known. Despite the unlikely manner in which the story unfolded, the episode survived a rigorous assessment by the U.S. Air Force and is carried in their files as unexplained. In 1961, Joe Simonton was a plumber, auctioneer in Santa Claus, annually for the Eagle River Chamber of Commerce. He reported his age as 55 or 60. Now, I've read 60, depending on the interview. At 11 a.m. April 18th, Simonton was having a late breakfast when he heard a sound like that of a jet being throttled back. Something like the sound of knobby tires on wet pavement. That's a quote from him. He went into the yard and saw a flying saucer drop out of the sky and hover over his farm. It was silver and brighter than chrome, 12 feet in height and 30 feet in diameter. On one edge were what appeared to be exhaust pipes, 6 or 7 inches in diameter. So that's describing multiple exhaust pipes. Now this, That's the description from him. The disc landed and a hatch opened. Inside were three dark-skinned aliens, each about 5 foot tall, and weighing about 125 pounds. And I think he said 120 in the interview that I was listening to. They appeared to be between 25 and 30 years old and were dressed in dark blue or black knit uniforms with turtleneck tops and helmet-like caps. They were clean-shaven, Simonton said, and Italian-looking. The aliens did not speak in his presence, but they had a silvery jug with two handles, heavier than aluminum but lighter than steel, about a foot high. It seemed to be made out of the same material as the craft. Simonton said it was a beautiful thing, a thermos jug-like bottle, 
quite unlike any jug I have ever seen before here on Earth. Through ESP or something, Simonton got the idea that the aliens wanted water. He left the visitors, filled the jug from the water pump in his basement, then returned to the craft and gave the jug back. To do this, he had to brace himself against the UFO's hull and stretch up. From the subsequent Air Force report, looking into the saucer, he saw a man cooking on some kind of a flameless cooking appliance. The alien was preparing pancakes. Now, that's a much better description than we had in both the other articles. I mean, Valet just draws a word picture for us right there. He describes how he had to, he says he had to brace himself against the UFO's hull and stretch up. So he's reaching this jug up into the craft from the subsequent UFO report. Looking into the saucer, he saw a man cooking on some kind of flameless cooking appliance. The alien was preparing pancakes. The interior of the UFO was dull black. Even the three extremely beautiful instrument panels, even the three extremely beautiful instrument instrument panels, and had the appearance of wrought iron. So the interior of the UFO was dull black. Even the extremely beautiful instrument panels. That's weird. So the instrument panels were a dull black with the appearance of wrought iron, but he describes them as extremely beautiful. Hmm. The contrast between the dark interior and the shiny exterior so fascinated Simonton that he later said that he would love to have a room painted in the same way. Man, you wonder if if he wasn't under some kind of mind control at this point where they were just you know, bombarding his thought process with these positive feelings. I'm not, I'm not sure how you would how you would view these these instrument panels that were this drab, dull black color with the appearance of wrought iron. How that how that would make you perceive them as extremely beautiful. It does seem to me like he was under some sort of mind control at this point. It says in return for the water, one of the aliens, the only one with narrow red trim on his trousers presented Simonton with three of the pancakes, hot from the griddle. As he did so, the alien touched his own forehead, apparently a salute to Simonton for his help. Simonton saluted back. Each of the pancakes was roughly three inches in diameter and perforated with small holes. Of course, you can see pictures of those pancakes. The head alien then contacted, then connected a line or belt to a hook in his clothing and the hatch closed. The saucer rose about 20 feet and took off to the south at a 45 degree angle. Its wake left a blast of air that tossed the tops that tossed the tops of nearby pine trees. The craft took only 2 seconds to disappear from view. This thing's really traveling at a high rate of speed obviously. It says Simonton ate one of the pancakes essentially in the interest of science. It tasted like cardboard, he told the Associated Press. The other two pancakes he gave to Vilas County Judge Frank Carter, a local UFO enthusiast. Carter, who called the aliens saucernauts, I prefer Italians, said he believed Simonton's story since he could not think of any way in which the farmer might profit from a hoax. Carter's son Corlin told a lawyer in Eagle River told a lawyer in Eagle River. I recall as a youngster that my dad took it very seriously. Judge Carter sent the pancakes to what was then the country's top investigative group, 
the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, it's NICAP, they refused the opportunity to check it out. That put a damper on Judge Carter's plans. He had wanted to hold a seminar on the incident. By this time, Simonton said he was irked by reporters making fun of the situation and laughing. In response to all this, Air Force dispatched a civilian UFO investigator, J. Allen Hynek. Hynek, at the time, was an astronomer at Northwestern University. He later became convinced that UFOs are real and founded his own investigative agency, which took over NICAP's files after that group folded. Thanks to Hynek, a Northwestern University committee and the Air Force's Technical Intelligence Center analyzed one of Simonton's pancakes and found it to be made of flour, sugar, and grease. It was rumored, however, that what was in the pancakes was of unknown type. Well, the problem I have with this is that if this Judge Carter had sent these off to NICAP, and then apparently they sent them back to him and refused to test them, how do we know we got the original ones back, really? I mean, you have a, you have a broken chain of custody. The official Air Force assessment of it all says this case is unexplained. Quote, the only serious flaw in the story is the disappearance of the craft in two seconds. The rest of the story did not contain any outrages to physical concepts, reads the report. <laughs> really? A, a, a craft just hovering over your house and quietly landing in your backyard and people attempting to communicate with you telepathically? That's normal? Wow, I guess I didn't know that. Simonton answered questions directly, did not contradict himself, insisted on the facts being exactly as he stated, and refused to accept embellishments or modifications. He stated he was sure that we wouldn't believe him, but he didn't care whether he was believed. He stated simply that his that this happened and that was that. The private Air Force response was unearthed after a little detective work. It comes from a UFO handbook for Air Force personnel written by Lloyd Mallon and issued in a popular edition of Science and Mechanics. In the book, Mallon refers to J.S., a highly regarded, much-respected citizen of Eagle River, Wisconsin, a small rural community noted for its attractiveness to tourists. It goes on, it says... Um, One Air Force investigator, according to Mallon, said that Simonton appeared quite sincere to me. He did not appear to be the perpetrator of a hoax, but at an Air Force Aeronautical Systems Division psychiatrist believed that Simonton had suffered hallucinations and subsequent delusion. The Air Technical Intelligence Center investigators said cases of this type could be injurious to the mental health of the individual. If he became upset due to the experience, it was pointed out that experiences of this type, hallucinations followed by delusion, are not at all uncommon, especially in rural communities. Yes, I suppose that's because where all the delusional people live at, right? At least to the city folk. It says, additionally, according to Mallon, the Air Force took to heart an unsubstantiated rumor circulated by one, circulated by, among others, Raymond Palmer, a publisher of Pulp Flying Saucer and Science Fiction magazines. Palmer reported to the Air Force... His belief that Simonton had been hypnotized by an Eagle River real estate broker and was fed the pancake story so that he would repeat it and appear truthful. The motivation for this was economic for the purpose of a miniature Disneyland that is or was being built in the area. Yeah, I don't think that ever happened. To understand how incredible the rumor was, it is useful to look at the credibility of Palmer himself. 
One of his favorite theories was that flying saucers came from a secret hollow earth civilization ruled by a race called Detrimental Robots, which he abbreviated as DROS. According to Palmer, the DROS manipulated humanity, blah, blah, blah. This just goes to show that you had a credible uh, report of a UFO alien encounter, and you have government agents uh, going to the extreme, uh, extreme means of quoting uh, a science fiction writer who seems to be a little bit detached from reality himself. Now, it concludes here, it says, but based on such sound evidence to air, quote-unquote, the Technical Intelligence Center, which headquartered the Air Force UFO investigation, let the matter drop. Publicly, it was a mystery. The The classified reason revealed to Malin was that the Air Force would not pursue the matter due to the possibility of causing Simonton an embarrassment which might prove injurious to his health. Yeah, they've been really, they've been really careful about not uh, embarrassing people. We saw that happen five years later in the Dexter, Michigan UFO case uh, with Frank Manor, and uh, when they labeled uh, labeled him, when they implied that uh, he wasn't smart enough to recognize swamp gas when he saw it, and he describes how he was you know, more or less just terrorized by the community, humiliated, and people broke broke out the, his car window. I mean, just a lot of nonsense. So, it it kind of uh, doesn't conform to reality to think that these people are really concerned about the mental health of a witness. That's that their behavior in the past really doesn't go along with that too good. And then it finishes up here. It says, "This for Simon to himself." In the end, he was left with a bitter taste in his mouth, and it wasn't from the pancakes. And quote: "I haven't been able to work for three weeks," he told the United Press International. I'm going to have to start making some money. He said the next time he saw a flying saucer, he would keep it to himself. And then it says uh, he lied. In 1970, Simon was visited by Lee Alexander, a UFO enthusiast, active in Detroit-based investigative group. Simon told Alexander that he had had more visits from the aliens, but he had not told anyone because of the way his first report had been received. And that is all we know. Okay, they're saying he lied because... Uh, that's a little misleading. He said that if he had another experience, he wouldn't talk about it. But he did talk about it. Well, I wouldn't say that's lying. I would say he changed his mind. I think that would be a much better way to put that. I would say he changed his mind. In 1970, Simonton was visited by Lee Alexander, a UFO enthusiast active in a Detroit-based investigative group. Simonton told Alexander that he had had more visits from the aliens but he had not told anyone because of the way his first report had been received. Well, you can't hardly blame the guy for that. And for people to get repeat visits from these things, that's uh, nothing out of the ordinary. What a strange case, though. And it makes you feel sorry for the old guy. I mean, you can imagine what he had to go through and the ridicule that he had to put up with, you know, in that small community that he lived in. I almost feel like there's something more to the story uh, with Alan Heineck leaving this thing listed as unsolved. Because, you know, we know the history the Air Force had of solving cases, whether they had to call them swamp gas or Venus or whatever they had to do. This one, they just couldn't quite do anything with. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over now.